Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whenever you're listening. This is the Dwell on Truth Show. I'm Dan Bodwin. And I'm Brenton Powers. And we're glad to have you with us today. We hope this show will be encouraging to you. Today we're going to be continuing with our walk through the Gospel of John and talking about John chapter 15. And one of the main topics we're going to be covering is abiding with Christ and what that means. Really important topic. Amen to that. John chapter 15, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> I love the Gospel of John in general. It's a wonderful thing. It really gives us a, a good picture of who Jesus Christ was and uh, what he acted, what he the way he acted and what he focused on teaching his disciples. And right now we're, we're getting into the time where we've been in the time, which is um, between the Last Supper and when he actually is arrested and goes to the cross. So he's really trying to pour the most important points of his teaching into his disciples in preparing them for that time. So definitely stuff Absolutely. that we should learn from. Absolutely. And while the music is about to fade out, just want to make a quick announcement. If you listen to the podcast or heard us on the radio talking with Timothy Walton, an atheist, next week's show will be all about uh, giving us a little more time to react to some of the claims, accusations, and outright lies that I think uh, were, were spoken from the other side in a kind uh, but, and calm way. Yes. <laughs> of course. But we're yeah. going to deal with that. That'll be our show next week. Yeah, if you're a Christian, we would encourage you to listen because um, atheists tend to have their kind of set of, of questions and objections that they borrow from each other and throw out there. And, and often... Um, some of those basic um, objections can really, really stump um, believers. So we want to help that not to happen with you. And for the atheists out there, or those who have had questions about the faith, we encourage you to listen as well, because maybe you've heard these from other non-believers and they've been convincing to you. Um, but we want to help you see the truth of who God is and what he's written in his word and, and the truth about the facts of the matter. So That's right. So, speaking of God's Word, we already introduced our chapter today. Indeed. It is John 15. I'd like to get straight into that as soon as possible. So, um, Dan, do you want to start or you want me to start? Sure. Why don't we just read through it a verse at a time and I'll read okay. from the beginning. So, chapter 15 of the Gospel of John, we're reading from the English Standard Version, starting with verse 1. I am the true vine, Jesus said. This Jesus is the one speaking in the beginning of this. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If, any, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Verse 12. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I commanded you, 
so that you will love one another. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I choose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. So that is the reading for today. Yes, yeah, good stuff. And I... I listen to David Guzik when I prepare. I'll just yeah. put my cards <laughs> on the table. I don't copy him. I do, too. He's got great stuff. He really is. But I like the way he outlined this chapter, and uh, that is in three parts. There is, um, well, overall, in these chapters, chapter 13 through 17, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure. And he's in the upper room. The last chapter we finished, they were... Uh, getting ready to leave. They may be still lingering around the table there. Yeah, you know, yeah. people get up and say, say, let's get out of here, let's go, but you still stand around and talk for a while before you walk. Mm -hmm. So this picture, the scene in the last, uh, after the Last Supper, they're maybe in the upper room still. But the chapter divisions here is preparing them to relate to him after he's gone, yes. preparing them to relate to one another after he's gone, and preparing them to relate to the world after he's gone. I like that. It is. Yeah, that's really neat. And also, I uh, think it's neat. I can switch over on our video here to look at the text. <laughs> and if you're listening on the radio, Dan and I have a YouTube channel. It's OAC NorCal on YouTube. Or mm -hmm. we have another YouTube channel just for the Dwell on Truth content. So this may be posted on both those channels. Please do check it out and subscribe. And like and comment and hit the bell notification, all that stuff. There we go. <laughs> all the good stuff. All right. Well, shall we get into a verse-by-verse -verse study? Yeah, let's do that. All right. I'll let you lead, Dan, since sure. you, you, have, uh, you, you have the notes we're referring to. On yes, this. indeed. So, once again, chapter 15, ESV version of the Gospel of John. And he says, I am the true vine, and the Father is the vine dresser. There's a whole lot of places in the Gospels where um, Jesus uses analogies that are kind of rural, farm-related, things like that, things that we can't necessarily, um, or that we won't necessarily get immediately, but they would have made perfect sense to the people at the time. So um, Jesus as the vine and the, the source of life, he is really our source of, of power, of, of nourishment, of, of everything that we are as Christians. And... Uh, yeah, then, so staying connected to him like yeah. a like a branch connects to the vine, that's how it can produce fruit. That's where the branch gets its life from. Indeed, we get our life through Jesus Christ. Now, this would be a common picture in Israel. Of, there's you know, grapevines everywhere. Mm -hmm. And even in the temple, uh, outside the temple, the table uses decoration, used as yeah, a yeah. metaphor for, in the Old Testament, Israel was was, was the, vine, the and, vine, yeah, yeah. And God the Father was the vine dresser, and all of the pictures of Israel being the vine, uh, it was kind of like a disappointing vine, actually. Yeah, it was. God did everything <laughs> to make them fruitful, but they weren't a very good vine. But Jesus identifies Himself as the true vine. Mm. You know, everything that Israel was supposed to be, Jesus right. was. Yeah, and. Um, how does this all relate to where the disciples were at? Well, they were getting ready to live life in a different way, not to have Jesus alongside them in the flesh, 
but to have a different kind of connection to mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. And he's illustrating that by using this beautiful picture in yeah, agriculture, as he often did. Mm -hmm. He used he did. pictures of the things of this world to describe heavenly realities and really transcendent ideas of that the disciples were scratching their brains. How are we going to get by without seeing you on a daily basis like we have for three years? Yeah. Well, like the church has for the last 2,000 years. Yeah, we're kind of used to it. In yeah, our we're kind Christian of used life. to it. But if you're a new Christian or not yet a Christian, you may be wondering, how in the world do you have a relationship with someone you can't see? Yeah. yeah. And this is how. Yeah, not as, not as a physical thing, primarily for us anyway, although it was a physical thing for them up to this point, but as a spiritual connection. And we talked, I think, a little bit about that in the last pass, in the last chapter, and we'll talk a little bit more at the end of this. But yes, there's a spiritual connection between us and Jesus, the true vine. So, verse 2, it says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may be bear more fruit. So it sounds like, um, you know, a, an encouragement there and a little bit of a warning as well, doesn't it? It does. I'm trying to find my mouse here. Yeah. So, so show the verse. there you go. So yeah, so that God as the vine dresser sees different kinds of, of branches. Either this branch is, is, is bearing fruit, is good, is productive, I mean, in that case, he doesn't leave it alone. He prunes it. I think that's that's key because Christians are going to have difficulties. They're going to have discipline. They're going to have ways that God works in them that's not always comfortable. Um, and he is, every one of us has our, our issues, our areas of sin, our areas of disobedience, and he's going to trim those things off so that he draws us closer to him, closer to the source, so that we're more effectively connected with the vine, I believe. Yeah. And there's, there's an interpretative question here, not mm -hmm. only in the how do you translate verse 2, but also theologically, and we're, we're just going to touch the surface on it yeah, today. Yeah. We've talked about this before. But in verse 2, you'll notice it says, every branch in me that, there's my mouse, uh, that does not bear fruit, he takes away. This word takes away in Greek is, is uh, pronounced something like, era, uh, and it means to lift up, mm, yes. um, and it could mean to take away completely, or it could mean just to lift up like a, a vine dresser would, yeah, yeah. would take that, that branch that's in the dirt, mm -hmm. not able to produce fruit because mm -hmm. of its connection to the, to the dirt, the earth, yeah, yeah. and he can lift it up so it gets more sunlight, it gets less dirt on it, cleans it off so that it will bear more fruit. That's, that's probably a good, that's a great interpretation. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, there's another interpretation that people who believe that you can lose your salvation would say, well, look, it's the branch in Jesus that he takes it away. It's, it's like, like a threat. Unless yeah. you abide in <laughs> Jesus, he's going he's gonna to cut you off and, and remove you. Yeah. Well, that that may be a possibility, but I don't want to find out if that's possible. No, I don't either. I, I, I but I, either. I just know it is our responsibility to abide in him, to stay connected to him. And that's where our life comes from. It doesn't come from the branch just trying its best. You don't hear these branches <laughs> groaning and grunting. It's a real natural picture of if there's a connection and it's good connection, there will be fruit that is the result, the effect of it. That's right. That's right. That vine can't do, or that branch can't do anything unless it's connected to that root that's yeah. in the earth, and that's what we need. So I'd rather see a, a care, a loving care of the Father mm -hmm. to take care of the branch than a threat to chop it up. Yeah. Anyway, he prunes it so it will bear more fruit, as you can see there. Indeed. That's, that's the purpose, yeah. fruit bearing. For, so, for a non-Christian, what is fruit bearing? Do we have apples growing on us or cherries? <laughs> well, Grapes. I mean, in, in, in one respect, yes. There's another passage, and maybe you'll remember the reference, where it says, make a tree good and its fruit will be good and make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. And it's talking about good works, you know. And, and this is important because one of the main um, arguments that I hear against Christianity is hypocrisy. You know, the people that, you know, say, well, I'm a Christian, and they go to church Sunday and live like hell Monday through Saturday. Mm -hmm. And we see that a lot, and that's a legitimate 
um, a legitimate claim that people make, but it's something we should really expect from Scripture because whether that passage deals with it or not, there are certainly other um, other places within this chapter and others that say, um, you know, we've got some people that look like they're or would claim to be something that they're not, and the fruit that comes off of them shows the truth of what they are or aren't. So, well said. It's the product. Of it's your the life. product, yes. And there's the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians where it talks about the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, right. kindness, gentleness, self-control, humility, some other things I'm forgetting. Yeah. But it's the character of your life. That's, a, that's, that's produced by God in our lives. It's not, again, something that we strive for, work for. It's just product of our relationship staying connected. Yeah, and that and that fruit may start, and in most cases, certainly in my case, it started small. It started not great fruit. It started a little bit of wizzly and wormy, and <laughs> and over time, as this passage says, the vine dresser came and he pruned me. I'm sure you could say this about your life too. And that pruning has changed the fruit over the last thirty plus years of of walking with Christ. And I look back at where I was before. And I look at where I am now, and still a lot of pruning to go, but yeah. a dramatic change. And a good change for the yeah, better. absolutely. I think some people are afraid of becoming Christians because they know the things that God is going to prune from their life. Wow. And they love those things a lot. Oh, yeah. But let me speak to that person for a moment. You're going to regret uh, just being down in that dirt and not having the fruit of love. I mean, I... I won't name names, but I can think of some people that have been resisting God, people that I love, mm -hmm. and the fruit in their life is they're anxious, they have no peace, they have a lot of anger issues, marital problems, um, and it just it destroys. The opposite of having good fruit is destructive, bad fruit, and you don't want that in your life. Like mm -hmm. Let your life, let the Lord tend to, to your life so that you can bear good fruit. Amen. And connect to Jesus. There we go. Well Start, said. Yep, starts when you repent and trust in him. i got to share the gospel as an, <laughs> as an evangelist. Of course you do. But that's how it do. starts. The disciples already had this relationship with Jesus. So now it's about maintaining it and yes. growing in it. Yes. Abide means continue, mm -hmm. which we didn't even use the word abide yet in verse 1 and 2. We but, didn't. but we will get there. We will go, get there. Go ahead, Dan. So verse 3, already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. And I'll go on to 4. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now verse th 3 is, is an interesting one. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Because of what God had, had said to them, because of, I mean... There's kind of different ways that you can look at that. Was that did that mean clean from sin? Did that mean they were already saved? I, I think so. It kind of echoes what he said in chapter the previous chapters where he had uh, washed their feet. He yes. said, you're already clean. I only need to wash your feet. I don't That's need right. to give you a whole bath. Except for one of you, Judas, is, yes. was unclean. So I think this is a, yeah, they have a saving relationship with Jesus. Yeah, but and they're still dirtiness on kind of the, the outskirts that need to be cleansed away every once in a while. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's certainly the case with, with me. Yep. And there's that word again, abide, or mm -hmm. for the first time. Yeah, for the first <laughs> Verse 4. Yeah, we just jumped on it early. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So really just intertwined. He in us and us in him. It's a spiritual, really mysterious union that we have with with Jesus now that he's gone to heaven. We're still connected to him. And we are living, that word abide means to live in, to dwell upon the name of the show, dwell on truth. Mm -hmm. It carries that meaning of abiding. It's like what you're thinking upon, what you're dwelling on, what you, how you're living, just continuing to live you're you abide mean to abide means to continue to live mm -hmm. so do that in him yeah and definitely a dependent relationship mm -hmm. yeah i guess can you say it choosing that dependent relationship i think 
there's a choice in how connected we are, how how much, you know, just on, on a real practical level. Yeah. One of the ways that we as Christians abide in Christ is through prayer, is talking to God, mm-hmm. through reading the Bible, is letting God speak to us. It's being connected with His the rest of the the vine, the branches, on the you know, in the vineyard of the church fellowship, mm-hmm. and the fourth way I think we abide uh, in Him is just by letting Him work through us to produce good fruit, not only in our character but the fruit of leading other people to Christ. I mean, yeah, that's a, that's a good fruit that Daniel and I are laboring for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's the process of growing in dis- discipleship and godly character and godly habits um those godly habits are really important i mean i've been thinking on that a lot lately i know that i have no doubt about my salvation by god's grace you know and i praise god for that but i know there are certainly days and there have been times in my christian walk when i've abided better than other times Mm. you know um and and working those spiritual disciplines like being in the bible being the word every day spending focused time on prayer every day sharing the gospel yes because i think there's nothing that is more effective in in keeping you in prayer and forcing you into the word because you have to have those things if you're sharing the fit your faith or you're not going to be able to do it effectively yeah so they're all kind of interactive it's nourishing it is nourishing the word of god is it's more what does the psalmist say i've desired your word more than my daily food, my necessary yeah, food. My Jesus necessary said, food. you know, uh, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Mm-hmm. You know, Timothy was encouraged as a young pastor and believer to um, to be growing in the, in the word and nourished by it so that he can just ensure, you know, confirm his own salvation and others, lead others to salvation. As a pastor, you need to have something you need to receive from the Lord before you give it to other people, not just yeah. as a pastor, as evangelist, whatever your role is in the body of Christ. we got to do it not as just like automatic, like, well, this is just what we do in the church. We do yeah. an outreach every Friday or a Saturday, or we do Easter and Christmas services. We could, that is a danger in the church, I think, just to kind of do things automatically. Yeah, it becomes vain repetition. That's mm-hmm. not a good thing. But when it comes from the life that Jesus is giving to us, that's really when we get fresh fruit. Yeah, yeah. And I would encourage folks, I'm trying to be more disciplined about this, you know, having that, you know, refreshing first thing when you get up in the morning, spend your time in prayer, even if it's just a little bit of time. Spend time in the Word, even if it's just a few minutes. Get the day started with um, communication with God and with, you know, feeding on his word, it will change your whole outlook for the day. Mm-hmm. It really puts you in the right uh, right place. So. Amen. So what verse are we in now? Five? Um, yes, five or six. Let's do five. both. Yeah, why don't you go ahead and do that? I'm okay. last to you. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. Yes. Another questionable one, whether that applies to eternal security mm-hmm. or not. Dan, what's your take on that? Oh, you know, my point, my point of view on that, I believe that God holds the ones that are his, um, you know, and that we can't lose our salvation. But this is definitely saying that if you, for whatever reason, whether it you choose not to abide in God or, or whether you do not abide because you were never, you know, truly integrated into the vine. Um, you know, if your fruit is rotten and you're cut off, then there's, there's a real threat of, of punishment and destruction here. That's not a good thing. We want to have the positive perspective as well, but I think that there is some value in telling people that this is, you know, Scripture says, uh, do not fear the one that can kill the, the body, but rather fear the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Mm-hmm. And even though we don't like to focus on that, it, we need to be aware of it, mm-hmm. and, and we need to, in, in, we need to tell people, look out, 
Yeah. Because this is a God of love, but he's also a God of, of wrath. So yeah. you, you want to be connected to the true vine. That's the only way you can live. Yeah. And, and I think whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, the, even the world recognizes when someone is making a profession that they're a Christian yeah. and professing that they're connected to Christ, mm -hmm. but they're living like hell. They're living like hypocrites. Yeah. Um, Jesus is not saying, like, you can become a Christian and then have zero change in your life. That's right. If, if you're truly a Christian, there will be a change in your life. But so you should, if there's no fruit, you should question, did I really get saved to begin with? Or am I just claiming the name of Christ? Because Jesus did say, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we do works in your name? And he's, he'll say, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of iniquity. Yeah, Jesus spoke more harshly against religious hypocrites than just about anyone else. I mean, that was his biggest problem with the, uh, the Jewish religious leaders. It's not that they didn't know the law. It's not that they didn't know God's word. It's that their hearts were rotten. And the fruit that they was bearing looked great before people in some cases, but it was rotten before God. We are at the halfway point on the Dwell on Truth show. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Brenton Powers, and that's me, and Daniel Bodwin. And I want to mention that today's show is supported by generous Christians who are partnering with open-air campaigners as a missionary endeavor. I encourage you to reach out to us if you have any questions, need prayer, want counsel from the Bible, or to tell us that you've decided to turn from sin to follow Christ. We'd love to rejoice with you. And I do want to apologize for the static that you hear because we recorded it directly into my camera. And this was actually a video that we recorded to our YouTube channel, Open Air Campaigners NorCal, or OAC NorCal. For future videos, I'll be syncing it with the professional quality audio as usual for the Dwell on Truth show. And as we're about to resume our second half of the show, you can find that at oacnorcal.org or dwellontruth.org. Or just get in touch with us directly via our email, oacnorcal at gmail.com. So what should we do? Let's look at the next verse. Verse 7, you want to read that, Dan? Yes. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That's great. I actually like that because there's this idea that I've heard from Christians and non-Christians. There are some verses that say, ask whatever you want. Jesus basically says, ask what you want, and it will be done in my name, and it will be done for you. But what does that really mean? Does that mean people can say, well, you know, I declare that I want a Lamborghini, and God's going to give him a Lamborghini. I, I, I declare in Jesus' name that I'm going to get a billion dollars, and you're going to get a billion dollars done. You didn't see my Lamborghini outside? No, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no. no, I did not see the Lamborghini. Yeah. I think when he you abide in Christ, he not only changes, you know, he changes a lot, <laughs> including your desires. So yes. you might not be asking for a Lamborghini. You might be asking for, you know, like praying that God saves Northern California. Mm -hmm. And that's, that would be my most outlandish ask of the Lord is to see more people getting saved. I want to preach the gospel to a million people here in Northern yeah. California over the next 10 years. And I think that's doable because mm -hmm. of verses like this. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It's consistent with God's will. Yeah. It's consistent with Christ's teaching. It's not to lift up or enrich yourself. Um, there's the other passage, and maybe you'll remember the reference. Um, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. And I think there's truth there. Sometimes we, we don't get what we want and what we need um, because we just we, we, we have a, defeat of a, a defeatist attitude and we won't ask God. But it says, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. Yeah, that's so, in the book of James. Thank you. I knew you would know the reference. Or and, the area. and another reference, I just mm -hmm. had to look at this one up. First John five fourteen, mm -hmm. And this is the confidence we have toward him, that if we ask anything in yes. his name, no, 
if we ask anything according, according to his, his will, will, he hears then, us. That's it. That's so it. there are these conditions. You don't just get to ask for whatever you want. Correct. Uh, it'll, if it's also what God wants, then, you yes. know, both have to be there. Yeah. Consistent with his will, consistent with his teaching, to give him glory. Yeah. All of those things. And when we ask in his name, we're asking consistent with his character. His yes. Will. That doesn't mean you need to... Uh, just tack on the word... Tack in Jesus' name. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, some people that in, in some churches, this the whole style is the more emphasis you put on Jesus' name, yeah. then it's like there's power just in saying it. No, there's power in the character. That's what the name Jesus means. That's it. That's it. The Lord saves, Yahweh. Yeah. All right, good. Yeah, words in themselves do not have power. You know, professions like that are only as powerful as the object in which they're placed. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. we're speaking against what some people call the prosperity gospel yeah, or the absolutely. name it, claim it, uh, you know, prosperity gospel, which we would reject as a false gospel. Yes. Uh, the true gospel is that Christ died to save us from our, our selfish desires and our sin and the rebellion against him, bring us into an eternal relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So as we, we should probably wrap up this first section that, about uh, what, uh, how to relate to Jesus uh, after his, his departure from the earth. Uh, and then we're going to go on and talk about how to relate to one another. But let's finish this section. Maybe we should take it as a chunk. Yeah, I think verse 8 puts a nice exclamation point on the end of what we've already talked about. By this, we're talking about God giving us you know, what we want or what we ask for in Jesus' name. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So mm-hmm. it's about bearing fruit and glorifying God. Yeah. So if we ask with that in mind, then God will give us what we desire. It's another great purpose for your life. Amen. If you want to know what God has placed you for. If it's not for my glory, for mm-hmm. my pleasure, it's for his glory, for his pleasure. Amen. What would bring him the most honor? Because he created us, not us creating him for us, ourselves. Yeah, he yeah. created to us for himself. Amen. And that's a great joy to bring bring glory to our Father. That's the purpose of our lives. Yes. So it's very fulfilling to live according to that purpose. I think the, the section would wrap up in verse um, 11 because in verse 12 he starts talking about loving one another. Mm-hmm. So just kind of to treat 9, 10, 11 as one more chunk. Yeah. Uh, as the Father has loved me, uh, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So just I, what I notice in these verses, the word love shows up a lot, and it's about how, and if we notice how much the Father has loved the Son, um, and how the, G- Jesus, as the Son, loves the Father and abides in His love. There's that relationship first between God the Father, God the Son, mm-hmm. God the Holy Spirit, and the Trinity. Yeah. Um, and then that love He gives to us so that our joy may be full. Before we talk about loving other people, we have to first recognize that God has first loved us. Because we love Him in response yeah. to His love for us. That's just such an incredible encouragement and almost overwhelming. The way, I mean, Jesus, as the Father loved me, so I loved you. The Father has perfect love for the Son. There, there has been that relationship of love in the Trinity beyond time, beyond space, for all of existence. And, this, and Jesus says he loves us like that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That is amazing. It is amazing that God would would love us that way, that Jesus would love us that way. Yeah. And that that can be overwhelming at times. Other times you might not get really emotionally emotional about it. But yeah. I think we should dwell on that. Think about that. We should. That. We That's should. a truth to dwell on. Yes, it is a truth to dwell <laughs> on. We can go back to that and say, regardless of how I yeah. feel, Jesus said this, this is the gospel truth yeah <laughs> very literally and it 
I think it's also a resource with which we can, as we're going to talk about loving one another. It's mm -hmm. like, unless you have that pool of love filling your heart, you don't really have love to give. So for that's a non-Christian, I would say, if you struggle with love, that's maybe because you haven't received his love yet. So receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, repentance and faith, and he'll, he'll uh, give you that love that you could abide in. But apart from him, it's impossible. It is impossible. And I would say also that in those times where those around you, it, 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 it can be difficult to love people. It can be difficult to love the folks around us. Um, but just think back to this. From God's perspective, we can have some time where we're pretty difficult to love as well. And God still chooses to love us. Jesus chooses to love us in that way, even knowing all of our brokenness. And if God can love us in that way, then how can we do less or look at the failings or look at the problems of the people around us when God has been willing to look at us with love despite our failings? And that should fill us with joy. Absolutely. Too, right? And that's what the verse 11 says. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you mm. and your joy may be full. A couple of funny points that David uh, Guzik made when he yeah. got to this verse is like, it's, it's Jesus's joy. And if Jesus mm. didn't really have joy, yes, yes, he was called a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. But he also had a joy that but like we have to recognize as well. I think sometimes I can be too serious and I just, you know, the world is going to hell and we've got to work to, to bring the gospel to them and I'm so focused on like this problem and what we can do and the work that I have to do that sometimes I forget to just, that Jesus has joy too. <laughs> I needed that reminder. And if, if Jesus didn't have joy, then the disciples could have said, this is what I'm stealing from David Guzik. Like, mm -hmm. boy, I don't know if I want your joy if you're such a killjoy, such a <laughs> bummer to be around. But no, I don't think Jesus was a bummer to be around. No. He has a joy that we need, that we want, yeah. and that you want. As a non-Christian, you're seeking for it in all the wrong places. Um, but if you seek for your joy to come from Jesus, he will give it to you. Yeah, That's and, a good reminder because I tend to be, I tend to toward seriousness over seriousness mm -hmm. as well. Yeah, and, and the world's tough, but God is good. Yeah, He is good. So have fun with your family. Have fun with mm -hmm. church. I have to say, I did have fun at the Vacation Bible School Great. last week. It was a lot of work, but it was also a lot of fun kind oh, of yeah. breaking out of my normal shell of talking to adults and kind of <laughs> relating to kids in a way that, you know, I didn't, I didn't want to make them bored. Yeah. And when I'm teaching them Bible verses, we made it fun. Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah. There's joy in the Lord. There Your joy is. can be full. But what about all these commandments Jesus is talking about? If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love. Is it like a burdensome commandment? What is his commandment? And we're going to focus on that question next. What does he require of us? In verse 12 through 17. Cool. You want to just read through that? Yeah. Just one verse at a time, or should I grab that? Go, yeah, just as a chunk, let's focus on that whole okay. thing. Read the whole thing. 12 through 17. Once again, Jesus still speaking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I commanded you so that you will love one another. Love one another. If, if John was here today, and he just emphasizes that. In, like, I want to just look into the camera and say, you're a Christian. Love one another. How much better a place would this world be if more people loved one another, as Jesus commanded us? Amen. It would be a wonderful.
actually, I, I said that, but I was showing the screen. So let me look into the camera again <laughs> and say that directly to you for those who are watching on YouTube or Facebook. We're also potentially going to post this there. Yeah. Love one another. I mean, my Christian friends, if, if we have reason to. There's a lot of bad news in the world, and you could, like, just use your social media to argue with one another. Um, and there's a, there's a way of loving people while speaking the truth. I'm not Absolutely. saying that we shouldn't speak the truth in love. The Bible tells us to do that. But are we, all, are we really loving people? That's a question, like, I, just do it. By God's grace, by His love in you. If the Holy Spirit has poured out His love in your heart, you can and you should, and this world would be a better place if you loved one another. Amen. Amen. Also, I'm just emphasizing that because the last letter in the word dwell stands for loving one another. Love people. It's the second most important commandment. Yes, love God and love others. So 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. That is a high calling because Jesus loves us perfectly. But that's what we are to strive to in our love for one another. Boy, I've failed on that one more than once. I guess that's a good qualifier to define the word love the way Jesus would define it. Yeah. And it's the way that he loved us. How did he do that? Well, he laid down his life for us. He did. God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ, Christ died. died for us. And that's how we ought to be willing to love one another, to lay down our lives if it came to that, you know, push someone out of the way of a bus and get hit yourself. But I think it also applies to small decisions that you make every day. How do you drive? Do you tailgate <laughs> someone endangering them and their family? Or do you cut them off when they cut you off? You know, Jesus said, if you only love those who love you, then what credit is that to you? It's funny. It makes me think back to that old uh, WWJD that was popular for a while. What would Jesus do? And that's been parodied so many times and i think the the problem with that is a lot of people would say well what would jesus do when they have no idea what jesus would do because they don't actually spend time in his word but there's truth there there's value there you know we can't be you know we can't live in that perfect um moral purity that jesus did but striving to love others like he loved us um, that is a very good template to follow maybe instead of asking what would he do we should ask what did he do yeah W-D-J-D. Yes. What did Jesus do? Well, he did lay down his life. Amen. And then uh, verse 14 is another one of those interesting ones that almost appears like a uh, qualifier. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So does that mean that doing what he commands makes us his friends? That's how all of my friendships work. Yeah. I I get to tell them what to do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and if they do it, then they're my friends. If yeah. they don't do what I say, then they're, then I reject them. No, that's not how it works, is it? Are you telling me I need to leave now? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, you are in my studio, so I, yeah, if, you, if you keep you my commandments, you'll still be my friend. No. Oh, boy. No. Jeez, and if, I mean, even if it was like that with Jesus, mm-hmm. he has the authority to say that. He does. He's, he's different. I'm not like no. Jesus. <laughs> um, but I don't think he... That's what he's saying. No, I don't think so either. What is he saying? If you are my friends, uh, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Um, I, well, he says elsewhere, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love Jesus, you keep his commandments. You show that you are his friends. You prove to be a friend. Yes, exactly. When you do what he says. Once again, it's a fruit thing. Mm-hmm. It's a fruit thing. The, the fruit shows what kind of tree it is, you know. Yeah, you have some notes under that. I don't know if you're going to read those, but yeah, cause versus effect. Yeah, it's it's something that I deal with a lot on the street, and I just want to ask everybody to think about this because there's a lot of passages in Scripture here and elsewhere um, where it's important to think about that. Is this the cause of something? Is this what causes us to be a Christian? Or is this the natural result if we are a Christian? And I think that's what this is, because Scripture is very clear that it's by grace through faith that we are saved, that we are made right with God. It's not the actions that make us right with God. But if we are saved, if we are Christians, if we are Jesus' friends, then those actions will be the natural outgrowth of what we are. The fruit will reflect the tree that it's coming from. 
Yeah. You know, it's the difference between a legalistic relationship that thinks, Correct. if I keep his commandments, then I'm going to get blessing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the commandments, the Old Testament commandments, if, if they were made to produce life or death, mm-hmm. then it produces death in us. Yeah. The way the new covenant works is, is the other way around. We get connected to Christ, mm-hmm. and we abide in him, and that enables us to obey his commandments. Yeah. Like I, that kept me from the Christian life, actually, as a teenager was thinking, there's no way I, in and of myself, can yeah. keep his commandments, so why even try? I think it keeps a lot of people from really considering Christianity because they think it's, yeah, it's something, it, it's upkeeping, yeah. you know, all of these rules. None of us can follow God's rules and sufficiently. Un- and unfortunately, there are churches that actually teach a form of legalism. Yeah, I dealt with a bunch of, of kids from a church like that last night when I was out on the street, and I had the argument, well, the discussion, uh, with a couple of them regarding this and baptism. And and the, and in, and good works as well. They kept saying, "Well, see, this verse says these things are connected." Yes, they're connected. It says these things are important. And baptism is important. Yes, it is important. Never argued with that. But are they the re- are they the cause of yeah. your salvation? Are they the result of your salvation? Yeah, I'm thinking back to that that guy that objected to you preaching. Um, and the guy that ended up assaulting me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because that was his uh, his objection. You didn't write on there. You got to obey the red letters and, and of the King James Version and receive the Holy Ghost. And uh, very legalistic. And you, you had written the, the gospel and repent and believe, which is what the Bible calls people to do. Mm-hmm. But he was getting the cart before the horse. He, yes, and you were saying, yes. well, is, is obedience the cause of our salvation or the effect? And he didn't want to hear that. He was no. like, no, 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 these guys are wrong because they're not including this as the cause of your salvation. No, yes. he was wrong. Yeah. And he ended up showing that yeah. that he didn't have the love of God, even though he said, I love you, brother, after he assaulted me. Yeah. That was not good fruit. Well, I've, I've got to go back, and, and we've talked about this before, but Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, I think it is. By grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Amen not by works so that no one can boast. And then people tend to stop there, but no. It goes on to say, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which he prepared in advance that we should walk in them. So there's, once again, cause. The cause is by grace, through faith, in Christ alone. The result is the works that God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. There's the relationship. Cause, effect. Right. Cause is Christ, effect is good works. I got that on the screen for yes. those of you who are watching the YouTube channel. It's it's that clear it right is. there in Scripture. It is. And if we get it backwards, it's legalism, and it produces death, and it produces despair, or it produces pride. Someone thinks they're actually mm-hmm. doing it themselves, and that, that that's bad fruit. Yeah. Um, and it's just a frustrating view of Christianity to see it that way keeps people from becoming Christians, and it keeps Christians from bearing fruit. And it's a burden. It's a yoke. It's a yoke that weighs on people. I've got to do this. And so many cults and you know splinter groups believe that. It's depressing. Do you want to name those denominations that you were arguing with yesterday? Because I think sometimes people are wondering, uh, well, is it a particular organization? Their doctrine systematically is like that? Yeah, or is I'm it just tr- people within a denomination that are miss? Well, I think that there's both. There are a lot of people that misunderstand um, Scripture, that misunderstand what um, the Bible is saying and, and kind of lead themselves astray. But there are also specific groups and denominations that this is this is their, their uh, doctrine. And in this case, I'm looking it up. Because yeah. It's called the International Christian Church. Um, and there are a couple of kind of derivations of this group, but they believe that in... in they're like a United Pentecostal oneness group? Uh, I, I don't think they're oneness. I, they do believe in the Trinity, I believe. Um, but they they have a particular view of, of discipling and a particular view of baptism, oh. and baptism is necessary in their organization. And not only baptism okay. is necessary, it must be... The baptism must be for, performed by somebody 
from their group uh, using their formula. Yeah. And if you're not in their particular church in your geographical area, you're not in the church. There are a few groups that teach yeah. that way. That bap- It's called baptismal regeneration. Yes, yes. But that makes baptism a work that saves you. Correct. And that would go against scripture. And then you do have something to boast in. And I brought this up because, so you've gotten this formula, and I have not chosen to be baptized in this formula. That means you have something to boast about because you've chosen to do this thing that I haven't chosen. That means you're morally superior, doesn't it? It's a work that they're relying upon for their salvation. And that's that. Works don't save. They don't. Baptism is the fruit. Anyway, I think we're going to have to stop our uh, message there, and we'll continue to talk about the relationship with the world next time because this has been such a good uh, thing to focus on. Mm-hmm. Abiding in Jesus, yes. receiving his love, and then loving other people. Loving God and loving people. That's the, that's the summary of the law, Old and New Testament. But Jesus elevates that love and tells us to love others as he has loved us. And so we'll talk about the world next time. Well, maybe not. Maybe next time we will cover those atheist objections yes so tune in again next week to dwell on truth and uh, we are running out of time we're going to be going to an outreach our uh, saturday afternoon outreach at the monterey war looking forward to it Um, so we'll be out there this saturday next saturday hopefully but if you want to know our outreach schedule and want to meet up with us go to oacnorcal.org and there you can confirm well, if we've updated it recently. <laughs> uh, or just I get, will update it by the time this airs. Okay. Or just get in touch with us directly via our email, oacnorcal at gmail.com. There's our timer. we got to go to an outreach. Got important things to do here. So thank you guys yes. for joining us. It was a blessing. And uh, once again, if you have any questions about any of these things, any way we can encourage you, any way we can answer your questions, then go ahead and give us that email and uh, who knows maybe you'll hear that question on one of our upcoming shows that's right so God bless you as you continue to dwell on truth and we pray that God uh, nourishes you as the uh, the vine dresser gives you life gives you everything that you need this week for life and godliness as the scriptures say I'm trying to switch over here to our outro <laughs> logo <laughs> Uh, let us know what you think about this yes. format for live video. We're, we're going to be improving upon it. So let us know how we can do that for you so you can continue to get blessed and dwell on the truth. May God richly bless you. You're listening to Brenton Powers, and that's me, and Daniel Bodwin. And I do want to apologize for the static that you hear because we recorded it directly into my camera. And this was actually a video that we recorded to our YouTube channel, Open Air Campaigners NorCal, or the Dwell on Truth Show. And I want to mention that today's show is supported by generous Christians who are partnering with Open Air Campaigners as a missionary endeavor. I encourage you to reach out to us if you have any questions, need prayer, want counsel from the Bible, or to tell us that you've decided to turn from sin to follow Christ. We'd love to rejoice with you. You can find that at oacnorcal.org or dwellontruth.org for the Dwell on Truth Show.